0: Out toward Denver, you'll be there in a thousand miles. Uh, I'm sorry, I heard somebody correct me. I70. Okay, thank you. I, the truck drivers can help. They're that they not only feed America, but they keep America rolling on the right highway. Um, so, so, so you know, you, you, you I just want you to kind of get a, a, a catch a glimpse for what they went through. Only the, there were no interstates. There were no quick ways to do anything. Um, in fact, this would have taken them months and months and months of travel to come from the east to see this newborn king. So uh, let's, let's just dig into the story for a minute and, and walk through this Pat, we're going to look at, it's going to start first verse of chapter two of the book of Matthew. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the Holman Christian um, Bible, Holman Christian standard Bible, I guess, I think is the actual way that it is. Um, before we we start reading, let, let's pray together. Father, I, I ask that you help us to unpack truth today. And, and Lord, I don't Lord, I'm, I'm more concerned about our doing truth than knowing truth. If that makes sense to you, Lord, I pray that you can help um, kind of make that happen in our lives. Because, God, we don't need to know any more than what we already do, but we need to do a lot more than what we're currently doing. And so may the truth that is contained within your Scriptures change us that we might live this truth out in front of the people we work next to, the the folk that we see at the stores and the restaurants, and yes, even those that hang out in our own home. May we be the bearers of truth and the livers of truth. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just look at the first two verses um, of chapter 2 in Matthew together. It reads like this. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Okay, last week we talked about the shepherds and we were. Um, kind of we we saw that there was this great light that appeared when the angels appeared that there was if you remember the that that angels are clothed as in lightning it 's talked about and and potentially what these people all the way in Babylon saw was this light that appeared over in the direction. Of Jerusalem. Now, the folks in Babylon had been exposed to the teachings of, of the the Hebrews for years and years and years, and so the potential is is that they were looking for something that would kind of indicate that that what they had heard from the slaves that were living in Babylon through the exile uh, perhaps had been something that uh, where, where truth could be discovered. Well, we recognize from this passage that. That here they are, um, they, they saw in the days of King Herod that there was this, this uh, uh, amazing thing and they pack it up and they journey. Now do you notice in the last two words here, their whole purpose to come. I, I'm saying, why did they do this? And your answer would be, they came to worship. That was their reaction. They, they came to this, this whole reason to say, I'm going to leave my home. I might not ever get back. Th- this is not the days of safety. Th- this is not the day when you can just pick up and go somewhere and say, yeah, I'll get there. It's the day that you pack up and you go somewhere and you wonder whether you'll arrive. You wonder whether you ever see your family They have left everything in order to worship. There is this great need somehow within them that says, I need to worship. You know, I I wonder about me. Do I have that intense need to worship like these pagans did? Yeah, they're called magi. The idea of the, of the magi is that, is that the word, the, the, the original Greek word, um, comes from the word that means magic. Okay, they, they, they were these guys that could do amazing things. They were intelligent and they were learned in the arts. Um, they, they could have been what we might call astrologers, people that studied um, the relationships between stars and things going on. I mean, they, they were given a lot of credit in their day. And they left all of that. And they said, we're, we're going to travel all of these miles through all of these dangers worship, we have it really, really easy, don't we? I mean, my guess is Kathy and I probably traveled the furthest to to be here, but you and I know it wasn't that big of a deal. And I got up a little bit earlier so that I could run the car some so that it would be warm on the inside when we got there. And I, I turned on the GPS. I mean, I, I couldn't even get lost because she hollers at me if I turn the wrong way. I mean, I, it, it, it was just a breeze. There were restaurants along the way. We stopped and had a sausage biscuit at Hardy's. No advertisement for them or anything. I don't mean that. But that's, that's what Kathy and I do every single Sunday. We We swing through and get a sausage biscuit for each of us. I mean, do you see how easy that was? I mean, we, we passed gas stations. We passed places that, w- that we could stop and have a rest. There was nothing like that for these guys. And they traveled at a minimum, a minimum of three months. And they didn't even know where they were going to get to. I mean, they had to stop and ask. Where's the guy? Where, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? They don't even know where they're going, but the compulsion, the need to worship is so great. There is nothing, nothing going to stop them. Why was this like this? And why is it so easy for us to kind of go? You know, I'm on vacation. I don't think I'll go worship today. Why is it so easy for us to kind of go? Gee, I got a bit of a cold, and I'm I'm a little a little out of sorts today. I don't think I'll go worship today. What is it? What is it? And and and. You know, we, we might could say, well, they, they believed more in the reality of Christ. And I, I would say, why? Because they saw a light in the sky? See, that's the challenge of Christmas in some ways. is How do these guys, these wise men, these magi, how do they do a better job at worship than I do? Why do they do that? here's what here's here's what I, I think if Jesus is real, I need to be passionate about worshiping him I mean i I need to be so passionate that there is nothing going to interfere with my worship nothing kathy and I especially in uh, days gone by when children when we were around, we, we would sometimes have some intense fellowship on the way to church. You know what I'm saying? And it was typically just because, you know, we're running late or, or we, we've struggled to, to get some things together. I mean, there's, there's just these, these things that happen. And I mean, have you ever walked into a church building and you've allowed stuff to interfere with your worship? I mean, whether it's you you walk in and you go, gee, I worship band today. Didn't they stink? They didn't do a song I liked. Or or, or we we have some brief run-in with somebody that we're not fond of that comes to the church, and we let that interfere with whether we worship or not. Jesus is real. I need to be so passionate about worshiping Him and nothing, absolutely, positively, nothing can interfere from that. I, I want to ask a couple of questions this morning. And I encourage you to wrestle these questions and find answers to them. And here's the question. your life is worship a habit an afterthought or a need Here, here's what I mean by that sometimes we as human beings we, we become religious and, and please understand what I mean by the word religious habitual um, the word "religious" can be applied to exercise program. I exercise religiously. It it means it's a habit. Now, I, I'm not saying that coming to church is a bad habit, but if you come and attend a worship service and it's just habitual, but it's not connected to your own personal need to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords? If, if you come and you're so disconnected from the King as you worship, in other words, it becomes about the song, it becomes about the style, it becomes about the temperature in the room, it comes about the setting of where you are. In fact, if I would make all you folks that always sit right over here, I'm getting to the point that I know where you all sit. If I would come in and go, okay, all y'all, over here, you, you need to move. You're going to be distracted. It's going to be like, well, I don't know, I can't see as well without the light from the window. And I, I'm not sure the sound is different over here. And so you're going to be disconnected from that. And do you recognize we have to fight against the junk like that? Because that's exactly what happens. is that Unless things are just the way we think it ought to be, we can't worship. it a habit? Is it an afterthought? And and I I get it. I I look out across the room and I see people are here just about nearly every single opportunity you have that we have on a Sunday morning. But for some, we can even come to a place like this. We can attend a worship service, but we don't worship. We're here because of different reasons. Sometimes it's just because we need people around our lives and we have discovered that if we, if we attend a church that we can then have some folk that will welcome us and make us feel better about the stuff going on in our life. But worship is an afterthought. It's, it, it's not primary focus at all. And, and then there are the folks that are like the magi. You would travel a thousand miles to worship the King. You would leave your homes, not ever knowing that you would return again to worship the King. You would leave behind your spouse and your children and your bank accounts. You would leave everything to worship the King. Are we burning the place down? Is that what you were afraid of? Okay. That's what I thought you put this water here for. Was that I could be a fireman too? So you 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 have to answer that for yourself. And and here's here's where I am, though. I, I find myself waffling at times between a habit and an I mean, I, I know you want me to be a perfect Christian. I mean, that, that that's what your desire is for whoever um, get, gets to be up here. And when you call your next pastor, you're going to desire that for him. Well, he won't be. He, he's going to be a man that's going to struggle. And I, I waffle at times. But I want to have in my heart this deep Need to worship, and I don't want to have anything less than that. Now, if we if we go a little bit further in this passage, um, if, if we let's just look at the third verse because we we kind of have to deal with this guy by the name of Herod. Um, when when the wise men came, they. It, it, it makes so much sense to me that if you're searching for the king, you look in the palace, and so that's where they went to. And and so they ask, "Where is the king?" Now you know the East, the Middle Eastern greeting when you greeted the king is, "O oh, king, live forever." That's how you you addressed the king. That was the first thing you said. Now you can imagine when the wise guys come and they knock on the door and they say, "Where where is he who has been born king of the Jews? You're not saying, oh, king, live forever. In fact, you're saying, oh, king that's currently on the throne, <laughs> you're about to be gone. That never goes well with people in power. And and so we, we have this, verse 3, it says, when King Herod heard this, that they were looking for the king, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Have you ever heard that phrase that says, if mama ain't happy... Ain't nobody happy. Well, if King Herod isn't happy, isn't anybody happy? King Herod made his bones um, basically um, by killing Jewish uprisers who were fighting against Rome. While while the, while, the, while Herod was part of that Middle Eastern place, he uh, he sided with the powers in Rome. I mean, he, he was such a, a power-hungry guy. He invited the high priest. The high priest's name was Aristobulus at the time. Uh, the high priest was speaking against Herod. He was, he was kind of driving the people not to trust the king very much. And, and so, so King Herod invited Aristobulus to this grand party. And then he drowned Aristobulus in the pool of the fountain. King Herod had multiple wives. And according to to history, we know that he killed at least two of them. He he killed a mother-in-law, and he killed three of his own sons. Because they wanted to steal his power. That's what he thought. Herod is a maniac. There was a point in Herod's life that he thought he was going to die. And what he recognized was is that when he dies, nobody is going to be sad. And that bothered him so much. He had all of the leaders in Jerusalem arrested. And he had them brought into the hippodrome. And he gave his army these orders. When I die, I want you to kill them all. So that there will be grieving on the day of my death in Israel. Herod. Please understand this. Even Herod is loved by Jesus. God loves people. John three sixteen says, "For God so loved what?" He says. Herod has this grand opportunity right here when he hears that the King is coming. And the Christmas reaction here is this this challenge I see. It's a a challenge to change. Herod has this opportunity. Maybe the only opportunity he will ever have To side with the things of God. Or to continue on in his own path. You know, all of us have those same kinds of challenges in our lives. You know, we love things when they go the way we want them to, don't we? I mean, I I don't know about you. I am really selfish. I love getting my way. Ask my wife. I just love it. And maybe you're like that, and maybe you don't want to smile about it, and maybe you don't want to admit it. But that's every one of us in the room. There's a challenge for us as we know that Jesus has come. It's will we change or will we stay the same? So I, I, I recognize this. If Jesus is real, the candle is on fire. Oh, the angel's on fire. Something's on fire. Got it. <laughs> not one of those. Is it? It's not going to come right back on, right? I've seen those. If Jesus is real, then my way's need to reflect his way. Now, what does that mean? The the Bible says that all of us are unlike God. But there is a point that we are in fact the opposite of God. We are one of we are the enemy of God, the Bible says. And then there comes a time that we are introduced to the reality of a savior now we've talked about how that happens and 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 what we saw through many experiences over the couple six weeks ago is that somebody goes with you to Jesus they take you along to so hear this is the savior and 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 we, we go through this thing where where change happens in our lives because of the presence of Christ in us and so there's change that occurs and and, and frankly, if Jesus is real, my ways are going to begin to reflect his ways. Now, is it going to be perfectly like that? Man, I wish it was. But no. No, there's still going to be an awful lot of bobs squeezing out of the crack. There's there's an awful lot of stuff that my my selfishness is going to overflow on. There's going to be times that I don't look like Jesus, but but my ways are are going to begin to. You're going to see it where it begins to reflect Jesus' ways. I, 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 I see that in my life. Not as much as I'd like, but I see it. So let me ask you to ponder the question then how have your ways changed because Jesus has come into your life? Please know this. If if you say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus and you don't reflect any of Jesus' ways, there's a high possibility you fooled yourself. You don't have a relationship with Christ at all. Jesus is in the transforming business. He is the change agent. He loves us too much to leave us in our sinful patterns and ways. He has come on that day that we accepted Christ and He has implanted within us the Holy Spirit of the living God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And if you think you can stay the same with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, it ain't so. You can't help but be changed unless you do not have the Holy Spirit living within you. And you've just simply turned over a new leaf. And you've turned that leaf over and you've, felt a little bit better about yourself either with your addiction or or your your anger management or whatever that might be if jesus is a part of your life you can identify how your ways have changed because jesus has come into your life do you know what kind of makes me angry at the enemy is that he fools so many people into thinking they're saved. He fools them. I mean, if I, many people, if I will ask them about, do you have a relationship with Christ? They'll, they'll say to me, I'm a church member. And, and I will respond, I didn't ask you that. They will then get a little more specific. They say, well, I've been baptized. I, say, I didn't ask you that. This is about a personal relationship with the Lord that changes your life. And if you don't have that, don't you sense on the inside that you want it? Don't you don't you recognize that there's more to life than this? Don't you kind of feel that you've been spinning your wheels and trying to keep everything on the right track, but you just can't? Maybe today is the day that you break free of what the enemy is attempting to get you to do. And that is, he wants you to live in mediocrity. He wants you to live in this this circumstance of which you feel like most of the time that you're okay. And you can say while you're in this good health circumstance of your life, I hope I'm going to heaven. Have your ways changed now that Jesus has come into your life. What Herod did is he assembled, according to verse 4. He assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Notice he didn't ask them what's a Messiah. He, he, he didn't say what what what's going on here? He already knew. He understood what was going to come. He just needed some specifics. In verse 5, the response of the scribes and the chief priests is, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him. Because this is what was written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. I want to refer back to this need to worship that the Magi had and interesting that Herod says, why, I just want to go worship him too. He's a liar. What that says is that there's a possibility that any of us could say we're Herod didn't want to worship. In fact, we are not going to be able to read this rest of the passage. We'll run out of time by then, but we will discover that Herod sends his soldiers out into this area. And he has them put to death every child two years Saddest passages of all of Scripture. That in seeking to hold on to his temporary power as the king of this dusty little world, he would murder all. You know, I, I think about this and I recognize just how great our God is because there is nothing that can thwart the plan of the King. Nothing. There is no one then or since and will never be that can stop God's plan from unwrapping itself. Jesus will run one day return. Satan has done everything he can to eliminate the king. But when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. It cannot be taken back. It's done. Paid in full. For all who will believe. In the 8th verse, He said to them, go and search carefully for the child. Go and search carefully. You know, they didn't, he didn't have to tell the magi to go and search carefully. They've been doing that for three months. They've been planning, how are we going to figure this out? How are we going to know where the king is? And so they, they do a bit of detective work, and they go to the palace, and they hear where the baby was to be born. So their Christmas reaction is this serious searching for the Christ. You know, I, I, I went through a time in my life that I looked for God. In fact, right before I got saved, I went to a church service for one of the few times in my whole life. And all I heard the pastor say that day was, if you seek God, you will find Him. Uh, we went Back to our home, I asked Kathy, how do you look for God? And she said, I'd look in the Bible. now I didn't know anything. I didn't even know to do that. So so she lent me her this little Bible she got on the day she was baptized. It had the white Bible had the little zipper around it. Maybe if you guys have ever seen that. I got up the next morning, an hour before I was supposed to go to work, and I, I sat on our couch in Clio, Michigan. And I opened up the Bible. I don't even know where I opened it to. But I just said these simple words. God, I'm looking for you. I need to find you. Do you hear how powerful that is? Do you hear what that would sound like resonating in the halls of heaven? When the very people who God created for His glory, with the very people that He sent His only Son to die for, will say, God, I'm hunting you down. I need you. I have been a father for a lot of years now. And I have never... Wanted to disappoint my children. And if I, as an earthly father who is filled with sin and tainted by the world that I live in, have no desire to disappoint my children, imagine what the Heavenly Father does when he hears one of his children say, God, I'm looking for you. I can see him jumping out of the bushes. Here I am. I'm not hiding from you. I'm right here. In fact, that's how fast He appeared to me. And from that moment, my life has been transformed and changed. And He's still changing me. But this serious searching is what God wants, that scripture in the Old Testament when it says if you seek God you will find Him there's a caveat attached to the end that says if you if you seek Him with all of your heart you can't you can't be hiding back some things you can't be no I only want you to fix this area of my life but I want you to leave the rest of me alone There has to be a a full. Story sold-out search. It's a leaving of your family. It's a surrendering of your position. It's throwing yourself at the mercy of the One who gave Himself for you. You see God like that, and you will be changed. Most of us don't like full surrender stuff. We want to hold out. We want it to be on our terms. Please understand this. Nothing is on your terms in life. Nothing. All the things that you think you're getting your way with are an illusion and a lie. It's Satan making you feel like you're in control. We're not in control. Every breath we take is is a gift of God. Everything we see with our eyes is all by His grace. Nothing happens because we make it happen. And when we recognize that and we begin to search for the one who is is in control and the one who does have meaning for us, things begin to change. You know, the reason that I look for Jesus says more about me than anything else. I, 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 here, here's what I want to ask you. Have you looked for Jesus? And, and, and if you looked, then why? Why? Because C- here, here's a couple of reasons that I, I think that, that we end up looking for Jesus. The first one is we, we look for Jesus for what he can give us. We, we, we look for Jesus because he's, he's Santa Claus in the skies. That he, he grants all of our wishes and all of our hopes and dreams. You hear a lot about this if you listen to certain television preachers. They preach this health and wealth idea of Christianity that if you have this relationship with Jesus... You're not going to want for money. Your health is going to be in good shape. You're going to do all well. Look, everybody who believes in that gospel dies. So apparently it doesn't work so well. What are you looking, what are you searching for with Jesus? If you're you're searching for Him because of what He gives you, you are missing it. The other reason that I think that we do this sometimes, we look for Jesus... Just to show you're a good person. Every one of us in this room is a good person. In fact, there there is good coursing through every single person on the planet, somehow, some way, in small manners. And oftentimes, what people do is they they look for Jesus just to kind of show they're okay. We're pretty cool. We're good. And so we do it for a show, not because we desire. When I sat on my couch in Clio, Michigan, I knew I was going to hell if God didn't do something in my life. I don't say that with you with some kind of past, I mean, I mean a, a future look back at the Bob that was sitting on my couch. I had those exact same thoughts on my. I was a sinner and I was a good one. You know, somebody added had that thing on Facebook where you added up all the stuff you did and you put numbers on it. I honestly couldn't add that high because I'd done everything. And when I look to Jesus, go ahead, Marsh. Are you looking to Him because there is no hope anywhere else? But if Jesus doesn't do something, then I've got no hope. That's what He longs for. That's what He desires from us, is the recognition that there is no worthwhile thing within me. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? There is none righteous. No, not one. And I have seen so many good people on this planet, and yet none of them are righteous. Apart from Christ, we are nothing. In fact, he talks about us as that we are like worthless rags. And if I can just speak bluntly, he's talking about those. The specific word here is, are rags that are used during a, during a woman's cycle period. worthless. That's the best of us, apart from Christ. The the wise guys, the magi, the wise men, they were looking for Jesus, and they knew He was their hope. Look look at verse verse 9. See what happens here. It says, after hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Christmas reaction number nine is joy. Now why? Now we have this image, right, that the wise men leave Babylon or in the east, somewhere they 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 get on their camels the three of them and they they wander along and they follow this star no they didn't follow the star the star appeared and the reason they were so overjoyed is because it came to guide them the final steps of the way not throughout the It appeared there to them. And they. And this is that same kind of thing where we saw the day before, saw it last week where there was this fear, fear thing, the repeated uh, Greek word. Well, here we have joy, joy, repeated, that balances out the story. They have great joy because now they know that God is leading them the final steps of the way to the place where this child is. There is no human experience that compares to discovering the reality of Christ. Not a single one. When I was in the drug culture, um, the the reason you do drugs is because it elevates your consciousness. That would be the, the intellectual way to say what it feels like to get high. You're changed. You're different. You feel good for a moment. In fact, we we would talk about it in our little circle that I was in about that we were in search of the eternal buzz. We wanted to feel that way all the time. The only problem is drugs are a lie. Alcohol is a lie. It's a teaser. It gives you a moment that's like that, and then there's this crash and burn. It doesn't last. Christ lasts. There there is no human experience that compares to the reality of Christ and one knowing what that is. I can only talk about my own experience. I can't talk about yours. But from the moment I knew Christ was real, I sold myself out for him. At that time, you know, part of my story is, you know, yeah, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, but I was one of those high-functioning alcoholic addicts. I was the general manager of a construction company multi-million dollar construction company at the time. I could function that way. In fact, I, I actually convinced myself that I was much better when I was high. I mean, I had stuff. It, it, it wasn't that, that we were poor and and throwing life away as the world would look at it. The world would look at it and say, those folks got it. They got it. nothing compares to the reality of Christ. And when you sell yourself out to that, it becomes I I don't need any of the stuff. I don't I don't need to be an industry. I don't need any of that. I want to I want to be what Christ would have me to be. I mean, what are you doing now? I mean, I mean, are are you able to say I am doing what I'm doing because Christ? I am honoring Christ and the way I live my life. And it doesn't matter whether you're on a construction site or work in a machine. It doesn't matter where you find yourself, but we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. We can be sold out to the King. But there are many of us we're not. Our, our, our lives at work and our lives at church are so different. And you do recognize they should be the same, right? We should be the same. In our language should be the same. The same words that we speak here should be the words that we speak out here. Okay. The reality of discovering. So, so I, just, I just want to ask you the question, have you discovered the joy of knowing the reality of Christ? Have you discovered that? If you've not, don't leave here without that. Don't. Don't, 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 don't. Verses 11 and 12 take us to the end of this passage. Uh, It says, entering the house. Oh, by the way, when we set up our nativity scenes at home, you kind of have to put the wise men on a dresser over somewhere else because they don't end up at the manger at all. The word here is house not a manger. It's going to talk about the little child and it's a toddler. It's different words in Greek. It's not the same as an infant. And Herod had all the babies killed that were up to two years old. I mean, there's, there's a reason. I mean, and it takes time to get from Babylon to where they were. So just know that, that you know, don't let Hallmark tell you what the Bible says. You you know what the Bible says by reading yourself and figuring it out. It says, entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees. What did they do? They say it for me. They worshipped him. They've been working for three months for this moment. This is what they gave their lives. For, for this moment to fall on their knees and to worship this child they then after they worshiped they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts high very expensive gifts gold frankincense and myrrh then being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod they returned to their own country by another route the, the Christmas reaction number 10 is amazing sacrifice. Not only did they leave their homes, quit their jobs, leave their families, all of their friends, all of the comforts of food. I wonder how much weight they lost on the trip. But they carried stuff along. Amazing sacrifice. It's not even cover what these guys did. Can I ask you a question? What kind of sacrifice are you making to the king? I I, I, I get it. Everything that the wise men had has been given to them by God, right? I mean, it's everything we have. Given. And so all they were doing was giving back to God what God already put into their possession. And that's the same thing that I'm asking us. Well, what, what's our sacrifice? In fact, the, the truth of the matter is that, that the reality of Christ calls me to live as if life isn't about me. It's not about me. It's about what God does through me. And with that, I have a confession to make to you. For six weeks, we did a thing together that we said, going together. And, and I encouraged you to go to your, your neighbors and your friends and the people that you know and, and just speak with them. And when they get to a place that they begin to talk about the struggles of their life, then tell them about Jesus. That's your open door. But here's what happened. Because I, I'm I'm not living right here. I taught you to do it, but you know I didn't do anything. I I've, I've done those things in the past. And and I I have made excuses. I mean, I am I am I'm busy beyond belief. I mean, I, I hardly ever spend time um, where my home is, and I, I I just I made excuses. Maybe they're the same excuses that you make. I was listening to a guy by the name of Jeff Org. Jeff is the president of of gateway Seminary used to be Golden Gate Seminary. And God convicted me of this and challenged me would I admit it to you guys. And so I confess to you, I failed. I failed. But you know what I've discovered about God? He knows I'm going to fail. What God wants, it's like, okay, you fell. Are you going to get back up or are you just going to lay there? I'm going to get back up. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make fudge. you say, what? I'm going to make fudge. And if you say, are you a good fudge cooker? I'm going to make fudge. I'm going to make ten plates of fudge. And next Saturday, I'm going to take them to ten of my neighbors. I'm just going to introduce myself. I'm going to wish them Merry Christmas. And I'm going to put my phone number and ask if there's anything I can ever do for you. When I see you again, you need to ask me. You need to hold me accountable for doing something. Life isn't about me. It's not about how tired I get. It's not about how overworked I feel. It's not about me. Life is about people knowing Christ, having the opportunity to go to heaven instead of hell. I am so concerned that the streets of hell will be lined with good people that Satan has fooled into thinking they have a relationship with Jesus. I want to ask one more thing. What needs to change so you might live a life that's not about you? And if you tell me there's nothing I need to do different, I want you to come and tell me that. Okay? If that's what you think, you come and tell me that. and I'm going to tell you you're stupid. Okay? I'm just telling you right now so that you understand. There are none righteous, no, not one. We're all in a process we are all being changed into the likeness of God. But none of us have arrived. That's what scripture would say to us. But you know, if you walk out of this room today and you don't identify something that you need to do, that there's not something that you can say, Okay, I need to see this changed in my life, that I can make that life then is not about me, which makes it about somebody else, you understand. remember this. God loves people more than anything else. And you recognize there is only one thing that God has asked you to do. To go into all the world. not about you, that it's about your children, your parents, your wife, your husband, your neighbor, your friend. What needs to change that you can make it about that? Father, I thank you very much for the opportunity we have to be in your house today. I, I, I thank you, God, that you are hard at work trying to change us. I'm so shocked, God, that I can be so stinking stubborn. I I ask forgiveness for those times that I think, well, I, I've got this figured out. I'm doing pretty good. Lord, I pray that you keep me. Uh, that you keep me pliable. I pray that you never get so frustrated with me that you quit trying to fix me. I pray that you always enable us to get up again. Lord, I ask for every one of us in this room, don't let us leave here the same as we came. God, we're all your people. You love us deeply you love us with the life of your son. And God, you know which ones of us in this room have been fooled by the enemy. You know those ones that are fooled because they they think they're religious and that's got to be good enough. They they think that it's okay because they're better than most people that they know, God, please, you know those ones and may your holy spirit right now break through the the, the mind that we have kind of covered over to protect us from truth. Might your truth, as your word says, the truth will set them free and that you are the way and the truth and the life. And nobody comes with the Father except through you. So I pray that you do that. God help me. Worship team is going to come and they're going to sing a song, and you know how do you respond to God? You know what 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 do we do? And you know I, I think there are lots of ways to think about it because I think about my own life. Sometimes I've I've had to come forward and to pray. Um, I, I've had to make a movement that says I am serious about this. I can't just let it happen. I I just got to do something to make that happen. There's other times that I've stayed right where I am, but I've leaned over and I've grabbed the person next to me and I've said, hey, this is what God's dealing with me about. I want you to hold me accountable to this. That's a scary thing for most of us. We, we don't like people telling us, well, of having to be accountable, where we that where somebody's going to ask us, okay, dude, did you make the fudge? Did, did you take it around all the people? Did you do what you said you were going to do? We don't like that. The reason I can say that is because I don't like it. Because I know you guys are going to do it. I see some smiles out there of people that are going, yeah, I'm asking that rascal. So sometimes I've, I've had to. I, I know me and know that I need somebody to be looking over my shoulder. So I'll say something to somebody. Other times I don't say a word to anybody. You leave here the same as you came, though. It's your fault. And you bear that to the gates of eternity. That you didn't do anything. That's up to you. You have the right. God gave you that right to ignore Him, to be your own king, to be the ruler, that you established on the throne of your life. God gave you that right. Don't be a fool. You're not in control of anything. Let's stand and make decisions. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'll be standing right over here um, and would love to pray with you if that would be something you'd like.